Yesterday in Washington, D.C., at the Presbyterian Church of the Pilgrims, a memorial service was held for a colleague and church friend of mine, the Reverend Jeffrey Crabiel. The circumstances are kind of heartbreaking. A 57-year-old man in the prime of his ministry who lived for five weeks following a cancer diagnosis. I had to look it up. Jeff was several years ahead of me in seminary. We didn't know each other well then, but we came to know each other across the subsequent years. Like people do, we attended the same meetings, shared many of the same commitments for the church. Just a couple of weeks before his diagnosis, I saw him at a conference and we shared a warm embrace and a few minutes of collegial conversation. I can tell you I'm very sad about Jeff's death, as are many, including the congregations he has served. But my point in telling you this about Jeff's life and ministry and death is at least in part the premise of the sermon title, What Church Looks Like. Jeff Crabiel's ministry showed us what church looks like. It told the story of the gospel of Jesus. It baptized and broke bread. It nurtured the life of the soul and the life of the mind in gathered community. It went beyond the walls of the church to organize for peace and justice in neighborhoods and cities. Jeff modeled all that, and his good works go before him. I'm grateful. This week, I attended two sets of meetings. One was in San Diego, where the weather was so nice I dare not send a photo back to anybody in Rochester. Once a year, an informal group of us, 14 or so, Presbyterian leaders of various kinds gather. We're roughly half and half in terms of liberal and conservative, though those labels hardly matter so much anymore. They are fluid at the same time. When we gather, we study the Bible and we pray. We write papers and review them. Then we read and discuss a book together, but mostly it is in gathered community where we discuss the future of the church. Then in Chicago, where the weather wasn't nearly so nice, I attended the board meeting of our seminary. It was an entirely different context in nearly every way, but the discussions themselves are nearly the same future of the church. Do we have one? What will it look like? How will we get there? It's an important question, the question about the future of the church. It's important not for the maintenance of the status quo, not for institutional survival or preservation, It's important in that we are called to find ways to live into our vocation. 
to be faithful witnesses to the risen Christ, to offer service in the world that God loves so much. And here's the truth. Though a thousand books at least, a million web postings claim they do, countless conferences and gatherings seek the answer is, we don't know what the future of the church will look like. It is evolving, sometimes glacially, sometimes at breakneck pace, but it is evolving with some new forms and practices, but also with echoes of what has been. But until God tells us otherwise, I believe there be a future for the church, and I believe there to be a future for this church, Third Presbyterian Church. So there's good news in that hope that we have plenty of ingredients of what it will look like to help give us shape and form to our future ministry, vision and values, and some important reminders as well. As we head toward the end of our year of reconciliation and this deep dive into the Confession of 1967, I've included today perhaps the least liturgical and poetic section imaginable. Kind of reads like the owner's manual of my parents, Ford Grand Torino, but it is on point. How do we order ourselves and organize ourselves? And how that serves as an instrument of our mission and not the end. How we organize this congregation. We've just seen a demonstration of it. Session and deacons and trustees and committees and staff and this building. If that serves the gospel, then good. If it does not, then we need to revisit how we do things. And when you read this affirmation of faith that we will share in just a few moments, note the use of the word Presbyterian. It is a lowercase p, it's not a typo. The emphasis on the responsibility of all of the members for this ministry that we share. And how that ministry must continually be open to reformation. And notice where it ends. The core of our mission is reconciliation. Those are vision and values that take root here, but that will also transcend any particular context. We've just ordained and installed church officers. I don't know, they look pretty awesome up here, I think. Some of you have answered those questions in the past. Did you detect further elements of our vocation Trust, peace, unity, purity, energy, intelligence, imagination, love. Did you notice that leadership is about service, not status and success? Brad Sparks just read from the book of the Acts of the Apostles. I thought this week maybe to change that into the account of the flood and Noah, but not quite. But in those few verses, we can grasp what church looks like. 
Think about a community gathered following the resurrection. They are culturally on the fringe. They're finding their way in terms of what they believe and how they will live together, diverse socially and economically and culturally. Now I know that 2,000 years later, third church is not the church of Acts. That if we pay attention to the portrait, we might see how we might at least echo that earliest church. There's teaching, nurturing the life of the mind, and there's fellowship, nurturing the life of the soul in gathered community. There is breaking bread, and there is praying so that it's clear that worship matters. Acts talks about adding people to the number of their community. That is called evangelism, which can be a kind of discomforting word for us, yet it is a clear call to share who we are and to invite people to join us on our journey. Then the story talks about selling possessions and distributing the proceeds to all which could be simply a plug for the stewardship committee, but I think it's more than that. I think it's a reminder that faith asks us to look at what we have and how we share it, how we share it in the church and how we share it in the world. And then this summary, with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having the good will of the people. Gladness generosity, goodwill, within the church and beyond its walls. So we don't know what the future of the church will look like. Every generation, I bet, asks that question. We ask it in our particular ways, with our particular realities, with our particular pressures, but also with our particular opportunities. And a day like today, when we break bread and drink from the cup and lay hands on those among us, when we encounter a vision from the book of the Acts of the Apostles on a day like today, we are reminded that a vision has been set before us and that God continually calls people, you and me, all of us, to help lead us into that vision. And until God tells us otherwise, that means we have work to do. Hopeful, joyful, justice-seeking, reconciling work to do. And all the gifts and graces we need to get the job done. Amen.